Welcome to the JMS Podcast with Jorge M. Sanchez. Welcome everyone. We have a great episode today. Today's episode is action-packed. We got a lot of great content coming at you. Our main guest is Marissa Kay. She is uh, a great person, a very talented musician and singer-songwriter. And she came over with her uh, with her girlfriend, uh, who is very sweet. And um, yeah, we had a great chat. We had a great chat about music and uh, about other great stuff. And she even performs at the end of the conversation an amazing song, which is actually the titled song of her album, Trans Is Love. But before we get there, we do have a movie review with Jacob Wheels. He is out. He went out to review the film Lady Bird. Lady Bird, I'm very excited for it. Although, you know, me and him, we might have clashed a little bit on this review. But uh, I think uh, hopefully it is insightful for everyone. Because I I am certainly interested in the film. I'm a big fan of uh, Greta Gerwig. And uh, we had a great chat. But before we do all that, friendly reminder to please subscribe to the JMS Podcast if you have not already on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. You can also follow the JMS Podcast on your social media applications. I guess I'm saying that. I sound so old. Applications. What I meant to say is social media app on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram. Hope you guys are doing very well this week. I hope uh, I know this episode's coming on a Sunday. Uh, I'm recording this intro actually a bit earlier. I usually record the day prior just to make sure I got the you know I'm up to date. But I have to do it a little earlier because I got a I got a show this Saturday in uh, in downtown Sunnyvale, so I wouldn't have time to to record this intro. So I uh, I had to move my schedule around and, and do this now uh, because. The reason why it's important for me to record this uh, in a good time is because I want to thank everybody who came out on Wednesday night to the very first JMS Podcast Comedy Fest show. I think uh, the Ritz did a great job helping me out. Um, it was a nice, nice crowd, uh, and people really came out. And what was even cooler is that they put the JMS Podcast uh, on the marquee of the Ritz, uh, which I never would have imagined would ever happen in my life. I mean, I mean, uh, the, I, I think the Ritz is a great music venue. It has a, it means a lot to me to to be accepted there and and uh, to hold this show there. And everybody had a good time. The performers went great. Uh, the, I can't say nothing about good stuff. And thank you everyone who supported it, even shared it around, uh, because um, this is part of the uh, the new phase of this podcast is to start producing uh, live, community engaging entertainment. I mean, we started with the first music fest about a year ago, uh, and then uh, we did the poetry event, and now we just did the comedy event. So pretty soon we'll have more coming. And uh, thank you again to all the performers. Headliner Tina Langallo, she killed it. Oh my gosh, she was awesome. Besides that, we had PX, Amy Shank, we even had um, Dave Zunoni, Faco, and Chase Doherty. And we have a couple guest spots uh, that we had Victor Cruz Perez. He did a guest spot, and Nicole Tran. Nicole Tran was the only performer there who I had not had had here on the podcast, which I hopefully uh, will change that soon because she is one of the funniest comedians around here. If you ever get a chance to catch her, please do. Thank you, thank you. I can't say it enough. Thank you, everybody, for supporting this podcast, and uh, and to, uh, not not just the people who listen, not just the people who subscribe, but also to the people who come on this podcast. Uh, it really means a lot to me. It really means a lot to you know have you here and and talk to you about your craft, and it it really inspires me to keep this going. 
So thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, on that note, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, you can check out the jmspodcast.com website and you can see the full extent of the content available to you. And if you'd like to help this podcast a little bit, you can donate to the Patreon account. Just go; It's on the website and uh, I'll take, there's a link there that would take you directly to the Patreon account website and any little bit helps. If you want to make a one-time donation, you can do so at the GoFundMe page. If you want to like to uh, keep in touch with the podcast through email, you can also sign up for the email list. And uh, I, I got to send one pretty out soon, a, a, a group email to all the subscribers. But thank you again. Uh, and let's let's go on with this podcast episode. Let's let's first go visit Jacob Wheels and let's see if he enjoyed the gre- the latest film from Greta Gerwig called Lady Bird. And welcome to another Wheels on Reels movie review with the one and only, the best film critic of San Jose and possibly even beyond. Jorge M. Sanchez? No, Jacob uh, Wheels. That's me. Yeah, yeah, Jake, that's me. Uh, Jacob Wheels, he hi. is here to review the latest spinoff film from uh, Birdman called Lady Bird. Spinoff? It's not a spinoff? I don't know. Birdman? Yeah, the, the with Michael Keaton. What? Yeah, it's a spinoff. Is it? No, I'm just kidding. Ah, you got me. You no. got me. But I'm excited <laughs> because Lady Bird's getting rave reviews. So oh, far. I get it now. I get it. Lady Bird, Birdman. God, you ah, that was super slow. I'm tired, Jorge. Come on, stay I with me. I watched this movie. Stay with me. Okay. Come on. Yeah. Come on. I hate California. I want to go to the East Coast. I want to go where culture is, like How New in the York, world did I raise such or at least small. Connecticut or New Hampshire, where writers live in the woods. Get into those schools anyway. Mom, you should just go to City College. You know, with your work ethic, just go to City College and then to jail and then back to City College and then maybe you'd learn to pull yourself up and not expect everybody to do everything. Lady Bird, is that your given name? Yeah. Why is it in quotes? I gave it to myself. It's given to me by me. Lady Bird always says that she lives on the wrong side of the tracks, but I always thought that that was like a metaphor. But there are actual train tracks. What she did was very baller. It was very anarchist. Put the magazine back! <laughs> she has a big heart, your mom. She's warm, but she's also kind of scary. You can't be scary and warm. I think you can. Your mom is. So, you're not interested in any Catholic colleges? No way. I want schools like Yale, but not Yale because I probably couldn't get in. <laughs> you definitely couldn't get in. Does mom hate me? If you're tired, we can sit down. I'm not tired. You were dragging your feet. You are so infuriated. Will you stop yelling? I'm not yelling. Oh, it's perfect. Do you love it? You both have such strong personalities. When is a normal time to have sex? You're having sex? I'm ready. Just wanted it to be special. Why? You're gonna have so much unspecial sex in your life. We're afraid that we will never escape our past. Whatever we give you, it's never enough. It's never enough. It is enough. We're afraid of what the future will bring. We're afraid we won't be loved. You can't do 
do anything unless you're the center of attention. We won't be liked. Yeah, well, you know your mom's tits, they're totally fake. She made one bad decision in 19. Two bad decisions. And we won't succeed. I want you to be the very best version of yourself that you can be. What if this is the best version? What I'd really like is to be on Math Olympiad. But math isn't something you're terribly strong in. That we know of yet. But, uh, but this film, I'm excited because it's getting rave reviews. We just looked at Rotten Tomatoes, and, yep. it, and it has 100% on yeah. Rotten Tomatoes, mm-hmm. which is rare. Yeah. And I'm just hearing nothing but good news about this film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is directed and written by uh, Greta Gerwig. Yeah. Which I'm kind of a fan of. You know, I, I, I enjoyed Frances Hall, and I enjoyed... And she collaborates because her boyfriend's Noah Baumbach. He's another good indie filmmaker that I, I Definitely. enjoy very much. Yeah, they're people. Uh, so uh, this seems like right up my alley. Mm-hmm. Uh, but h- how did you find the film? I, I didn't like it. <laughs> what? I didn't like it. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't like it. You know. How can you not like a film that's literally a hundred percent fresh around tomatoes? Oh, I don't know. Cause I don't like eating vegetables. How about that? That didn't make any sense. But either. it's a fruit, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know. Don't we're not gonna get into that. I don't know, man. I mean, I apparently hated. I was the only person to hate Planet of the Apes. So, uh, uh, which I mean. which I got some some backlash from. Well, you know, those people are wrong. And guess what? Those people on Rotten Tomato, 100% wrong. Oh, wow. Okay. So let's start with the plot. What's this movie about? It's basically about, it's just like a a day in the life of this white girl. uh, How come you have to describe her as a white girl? Hold on. Oh, you'll, you'll, I can go into that later on. But basically, it's just like white girl having white girl problems, doing white girl things. Because white girls living in Sacramento. Apparently, there are no colored people in Sacramento. Have you been to Sacramento? Uh, Yes. I've seen plenty of colored people. Okay, have uh, have you? I've only been but, there like but, twice. But, but, but for the listeners, I, I I'd like to inform you that Jacob Wheels is Latino. <laughs> I He's, am. He is a person of color. It might be because I'm not a white girl going through white girl problems. That might be why I didn't enjoy this film. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. You know. Were you jealous for of her problems? Not really. No, because I was like, I didn't go through that. I mean, because like I said, I do enjoy uh, Greta Gerwig's work. But uh, a common theme of her movies is definitely, you know, first world problems. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That's that's a lot of this one. Like, she doesn't even go, like, you know those 80s high schools where they're like, like, we're in high school and there's the jocks punching me in the face. Like, they didn't even have any of those high school problems. It was just like, I don't want to join the, the glee club or whatever, or the, the theater club. Okay. Yeah, I know. I got it. I'm okay. fixing it. Okay. Making sure. I This is gold. This is comedy okay. gold right here. Okay, um, so so it's about a, a young lady. Yeah, it's about a young girl, a, a coming of age story. Yeah, it's a it's a senior in high school. She like she wants to move out of uh, Sacramento, but like her mom's being all like mad, like oh I don't want you to leave the town, kind of thing. Okay, and it's just basically her going through her senior year up so, until she so, comes of age. So it's a slice of life film. Yeah, it's it's very uh, character driven. Mm-hmm. Very. Okay, so it seems like a, a solid story so far. Yeah, it was it was fine. Look, the best thing about this movie, I as much as I I'm gonna shit on it probably, yeah. is that the the acting was really really good. It was really good. I felt like these people were actually real people. I don't think I recognize any of these actors. Really, the lead actress uh, who has a name I, I'm I'm gonna not gonna pronounce. Oh, because she's well. so famous. That's why uh, you, you forgot Swar- her name. Swarcy. I don't know. I, I can't. Remember I don't know. I'm not, I'm not even gonna try. No. But she's been known. She was in what? Lovely Bones. 
I she was in uh, quite a few other. Uh, yeah. I, apparently, I haven't seen him. Hannah. She was in Hannah. I didn't see Hannah. Um, God, what is she most known for? Hunger Games. No, I haven't seen that. She either. was in Brooklyn. I want to see that. So one of the things like everyone likes to rave about it, this movie is how it's so original, right? So oh, it's a coming age movie about a girl growing up, finding her place in the world. And honestly, I saw a movie last year that I loved that had the same premise about a girl in high school, senior year. It's called Edge of 17. I actually didn't review that, which I should have reviewed it because I really liked that movie. I had a lot good to say about that. Okay. So what, what did Edge of 17 do right that this did wrong? I don't know. I cared about the character. <laughs> there was diversity in it. Okay. I don't know. Everyone's complained about how there's not enough uh, diversity in movies. And then this movie comes along and everyone's like, I love it. I'm like, I didn't see, like, I saw like a shade of brown. That's all I saw. But it was just, I like I liked the character more in Edge of 17. Like, because they were both awkward uh, teenagers. Like, that's the whole thing. It's awkward teenagers going through awkward teenage life. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And, like, I just liked her better. I felt like she played awkwardness more realistic rather than this. See, so what they were trying to do, I this is what I felt. Okay, so someone might complain. Someone might, uh, someone might, uh, someone might send eat junk ale, junk mail death threats to me. Because it well, is, but keep in mind they're coming to me first before they well, get to you. Well, send them to me at Wheels Comedy uh, on Twitter and uh, I'll forward them to you. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, but it was like I felt like they were trying to be like Juno, like they were trying to have that like twee kind of like, like oh smart dialogue, but like it did not come through like that. Like mm. they they were trying to make it like oh like these two characters, these two girl characters are talking about how she fell in love with a teacher or something like that, and the teacher doesn't want him stuff like that. You know what I mean? And like it's the dialogue's not as snappy as Diablo Cody, as her 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 script, um, and I felt like it was like they were trying to be like Napoleon Dynamite and Juno, and like. So you felt it was rehashing a lot of tropes, indie indie no, film tropes. Yeah, yeah, and it was just I, I felt like it had these like, it was trying to be these two different tones put together, but it's not like mashed potatoes and gravy. It's just like something that you shouldn't eat when you put them together, like like fruit cake you know hmm. this this movie's fruit cake jorge okay this so, movie is fruit cake. some people enjoy fruit cake yeah you see where i'm going with this okay the whites <laughs> white people love fruit cake <laughs> no i mean play a bit of, a bit of devil's advocate yeah. here yeah i mean put aside you know the, the racial yeah. you know element I mean, of this who are you talking to uh like is it the direction that bothered you or was it simply the writing? I just didn't care too much about... Actually, you know what? The thing that kind of pissed me off most is that everyone's raving about this this movie. And I was like, uh, it doesn't feel that original. You know what I mean? Mainly because I saw Edge of 17 last year. Uh-huh. Um, so, which is... I know it's unfair. You know, I'm sorry. But, um... Well, it's not like you walked in wanting to hate the movie. Yeah, no, I walked in. I mean, I heard... I was listening to a podcast and they're like, go watch, uh, go watch uh, Lady Bird. It'll make you cry. It'll make you laugh hysterically. It'll make you... I don't know about that. They said it was, it was like a really funny comedy. And I, I get where the comedy came from, but it wasn't like... I laughed more at... Uh, I laughed more at uh, Manchester by the Sea. Actually, there was an actor who was in Manchester by the Sea who was also in this film. Was it? Was L- it Lucas Hedges. That's where I seen him from. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I was like, this guy looks familiar. I think I saw this guy on Disney Channel. But no, yeah, that's right. That was the same he, kid. He played... Um... You played Danny O'Neill. Yeah, yeah, that was an interesting character. That guy, that kid, his character kind of freaked me out, though. That kid could probably play the Joker. Oh. Yeah, I'm just saying, he has like a Joker-esque face. And a Joker-esque smile. 
Lady Bird, your lover awaits. Hello, Hi. Danny, the famous Danny. Oh. <laughs> oh, aren't you adorable, Larry? Isn't he adorable? He's adorable. And you're driving her and everything. Wow. Yeah, well, thank you for letting Lady Bird come to my grandmother's Thanksgiving, Mrs. McPherson. No, no more politeness. Call me Marion. Oh, well, nice to meet you, Mr. McPherson. Please, call me Mr. Larry McPherson. <laughs> oh, Larry. Sit down, Danny. Can I get you something to drink? Oh, no, I'm fine. Hey, I'm Miguel, the brother. I think Lady Bird wants to make an entrance. She's mad we don't have a spiral staircase. Shelly. <laughs> <laughs> what? Is my name. Oh, hi. Hi. <laughs> it's funny, on my way over here, I went over the train tracks. Oh, you took H Street. Right, and so Lady Bird always says that she lives on the wrong side of the tracks, but I always thought that that was like a metaphor. Oh. But there are actual train tracks. Oh, hi, you look amazing. What the hell is in the duffel bag? Don't worry about it, jeez. <laughs> My grandmother will love that dress. Okay. I mean, but like there are some things I like, like falling in love for the first time, air quotes. You know what I mean? Uh, you know what I really, you know what really bothered me about this movie, Hori? I got uncomfortable. There was a, a teenage sex scene. Why did that make you uncomfortable? Because I don't want to watch teenage fucking. What? I don't. The actors are over eighteen. Yeah, but you know, in the context of this film, they're teenagers. Well, was it graphic? It wasn't graphic, but it's like, ugh, like she has her bra on, and they're like moving up and down. It's like sex should be is sex is is sinful. Jesus. No one should ever have it, and we should all just let the human society die. Well, did, does your girlfriend know about this? Uh, did, did you lay this out for her? I mean, I laid something else, if you know what I mean. <laughs> All right, so so, uh, but <laughs> that made me really uncomfortable. I'm just saying, like, I why? Know, I don't know, man. Because these kids, in my mind, like these kids are supposed to be these kids are supposed to be kids. You know what I mean? They're under 18. But if the story is of coming of age, yeah. I mean, every every coming of age movie has to deal with you know first yeah. sexual encounters. Yeah, that, that's a trope in itself. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so, I just, so was, why did this one it, it bother you? It felt more graphic. I don't know. Maybe it's because I was in an almost empty theater. I don't know. It could have been a lot of things. How about uh, the cinematography? Uh, it was all right. It was fine. It it, it definitely felt like... Um, actually, one of the things I kind of uh, I kind of didn't like about this is that they 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 put they focus so much on Sacramento. Why did that bother you? It's, no, the thing that bothered me is that they didn't even show that much of Sacramento as like a town. Like They're like, oh, Sacramento sucks, this and that, blah, blah, blah. But they didn't really show why it sucked. Oh, okay. They didn't show that it was a small town. They didn't show that it was like, it was very segregated. Because this is a very, um, they also play with a lot with like social status. Okay. Because like, like she's, she's very poor. She's very lower middle class. And like everyone she hangs out with, not everyone she hangs out with, everyone she wants to hang out with is like, lives in two story mansions, stuff like that. Uh huh. And it's just like, like they played, a, they, they mentioned it a lot. Oh, I live on the, the other side of the tracks. But like they didn't show a lot how, of how like, like if that meant anything at all. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't come into play or anything. It was just kind of like, you live in a big house. I live in a poor house. Meh. Okay. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, like, you bring all these interesting things, but you don't really pay them off. Like, let me see more of why Sacramento sucks. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Or maybe that maybe that's the point. Maybe the point is, like, she thinks it sucks, but in reality, it's just whatever. It's just another town. Well, maybe it's one of those things that, you know, goes without saying. Maybe. I mean, I've never been to Sacramento. Well, I've been there twice. Yeah. One of them was to shoot a MMA fight, like an underground thing. 
You went to go film it? Yeah, I went to go film it. You, you, are you involved in illegal activities over there? I mean, there? it's not. I Filming it is not illegal. That's the non-legal. I mean, I... It depends illegal. what you're filming. No, I mean, <laughs> if you film something that's illegal, you're not associated with it because you're doing a different thing. No, uh, you, it, it depends. It I'm depends. not a lawyer. It depends. I'm not a lawyer. Uh, good thing you're not a lawyer. <laughs> I don't know how long you would have lasted. <laughs> uh, but anyway, going back to the film. Yeah, the film. Um... So what 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 good does it have going for it? So okay, so the the lady okay, so the the parents I think I like the are probably the only characters I like the most. Well, other than the best friend, but she I feel like she doesn't have as much as maybe they could they should. I don't know, what? but well, like like I wanted to see more of the dad because the dad was kind of like that nice dad you know who doesn't really want to get into trouble and he's like always kind of quipping out funny things, but like he didn't get that much speaking roles. I mean, it definitely does. I mean, maybe I didn't relate to this because this story is also about a mom and daughter relationship. Yeah. And I'm not a mom or a daughter. Uh-huh. So I couldn't relate. But, like, you know, I liked I liked her character. But, see, that's that's why I want to go back to Edge of 17 because they had that same relationship. The mom's always complaining to the daughter. The daughter's always hating what the mom's doing. And it's just like, I've already seen this before. You know what I mean? Like, this film is not that original. I'm not saying her because this is autobiographical probably. You know? you know, Greta Gerwig is saying it's not, but it's too close. It's too close to her real life. Yeah. She is from Sacramento. Yeah. And and, uh, and it's pretty, it's, from the trailer, it looks a little too obvious, like her backstory. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not saying, I'm not denying that this is her 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 thing, her her, her story, but it's like, I, I, everyone's saying they can relate to it. I can't relate to it. Mm. You know, maybe this did happen. You know, maybe this did, but I don't know. So you're telling me that this is overrated. It's overhyped. I think it is. Hmm. Especially after seeing... I hate going back. I hate having to do say this, but especially after seeing Edge of 17. It's almost... It's... I think that movie's a lot more funnier, though. To everyone saying that this movie is, like, hilarious, like, there are laugh-out-loud moments, I was like, I didn't see that much... I felt a lot of realness, though. There was a lot of realness in this film. What do you mean by realness? Well, like, like just, like... Dramatic moments? Like, dramatic moments and, like... Like kids just hating on their parents, kind of things. That's like, pretty real, yeah. Yeah, and like, like falling in love with a guy. That, that I can't relate to that either. But it's but, real. Sure. Yeah, it's real. You can fall in love with a guy. Yeah, I'm not gonna judge you. Sacramento. Okay. okay. Uh, but anyways, like you know, just falling in love. Like she falls in love. She, she falls in love with another dude. She sleeps with the other dude. You know. Are you spoiling the film now? Uh, you know, I could. <laughs> You want me to say things? I no, can spoil it. No, no, I can no. spoil the shit no. out of it. All right, all right. I'm being vague, all right? There's a all boy, right. there's a boy, there's a best friend. There's okay. a mom. Okay. There's some really good scenes. So so far, it sounds like you did not enjoy the film because no. you found it to be too redundant and derivative. I've, I've seen it before. Okay. And every, all the reviews are like, oh, it's so great. It's so original. No. Okay. And then, which brings me to the... So you introduced me to the Stardust app. I did, yes. So you want you want to explain to the to the so, audience? About yeah, the Stardust app is pretty much uh, an, an app you put on your phone, and it is specifically for you to take like a thirty second video yeah. after seeing a movie in a theater to give your take on on the on mm-hmm. the movie, and people can you know l- look at your reaction on on the Star app, which you could share on Facebook and other social medias. Yeah. So, I know I know you don't want me to talk about race. But I looked up the reactions to this movie from the Star app, from the Star, the the Stardust app, Stardust. Yes, yeah, Stardust. And, and that app, pretty much anybody could have. It. Anyone can use it. So, so you're getting a good consensus of the the average movie goer. Yeah, and guess what? Everyone that reacted to this was a white person. <laughs> Every person that said this was a great movie was like, 
of Caucasian descent. You know what I mean? But is it? I mean, if okay, I, I get what you're different. saying. If it would have been different, if I would have seen like a, uh, a, I, I might have seen a Latina in there. I, I, I just would hate to pull this movie down based on race because it wasn't really a, a movie about race necessarily. No. I mean, I get it. There's casting issues. It's in Hollywood, but you know, ultimately, if this movie is a good story or not, it should ultimately should tell you if it's a good movie or not. Yeah. Not so much of like. Oh, there's oh, nothing but white actors here, so I'm not gonna, you know. That's like not the it. reason I don't like it. I'm just saying it's not diverse. Whatsoever. So, so what you're telling me, which I'm trying to get your point of view, is that the perspective that this film offers is narrow. It's very narrow. How would you rate the film? Okay, I would definitely give it a a five out of ten if I had to rate it. So it's mediocre. It's very mediocre. I can see how some people will. This can be really relatable. Mm-hmm. But to me, I didn't relate to it. I couldn't relate to it. I didn't like the characters. I only liked one character, and he was in the background. No, oh, I like two characters because the best friend was pretty cool. Oh. But I liked them, and they were kind of pushed toward the back, like way toward the back. All right. Well, yeah. thank you for your review. Yeah, no. I'm seeing a pattern here. <laughs> uh, apparently, you don't like... Uh... I mean, I haven't seen this film. So, okay. But considering your track record, My... the, the films that you have, yeah. you know, you, okay. you, you legitimately did not like yeah. were, were, were literally movies that were primed <laughs> for Oscars. Like, like pretty much... How can I say this? You, apparently, you did not like Manchester by the Sea. You no, had issues I, with that. I, you had issues of of, of, of the, the newest uh, Planet of the Apes. Yes. Which is getting, the War on the, the Planet of the Apes. Later, and, and the common thing with all these three films is they're getting raving reviews. Yeah. Well, everyone's wrong, Jorge. Everyone. All, every, all single one of them. Every, all of them. You just don't like art movies. You no, don't I, like art what do you dramatic mean I don't like movies. Art, what do you mean I don't like dramatic movies? I don't, it's, it seems like every movie <laughs> review that's like artistically has some artistic merit to it you don't like uh, no that's not true I mean I liked Manchester by the Sea it just made me feel so many things that I just didn't know how to comprehend them in my mind that's what a movie's supposed to do yeah well I didn't uh, I liked it alright uh, I will admit it this is this is wheels on reels goes back to the previous ones I liked it it just made me feel so many things that I'm in distress I'm just saying for Lady Bird do yes. you think it's one of those movies that you can watch again maybe get a different opinion about it okay. you know what I mean maybe if I didn't hear all the hype that's what it is. Hype. Get so, rid of the hype. Just just tell me to go watch a film. Don't tell me anything about it. I won't watch any reviews, and I'll just go in blank slate. <laughs> All right, J.K., well, thank you for coming. <laughs> thank you for putting me through this. Uh, okay. You're making me sound racist against the whites. Well, you... you I mean, again, you, I get where you're coming from, but, like, I would hate to make a movie and have someone take it down because I didn't have, I didn't have enough diverse people in it. It's like, what well, did you enjoy the story? Was the characters annoying? Like, what's the big deal? Don't tell me it's too white. And keep in mind, keep in mind that I'm a Mexican American guy. You so, are Mexican, so I'm not guy. here, you know, protecting the whites or anything like you that. You know, we should have a. It's, it's just the way you're 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 like <laughs> criticizing this movie. It's like you're going on. I don't know. I just want to. We'll, we'll leave it to our listeners. Send yeah. send us an email. Let me know if Jacob went too far with a race issue on this film. I think uh, you know what. Okay, I will. If if you can uh, send me a strongly worded email, I will read it. I will tell you why you're wrong, and then I will say thank you for the criticism. I admire all of it. Thank you, listener, for actually responding. Uh-huh. You're making this network grow for us. All right, for you. Okay, it's it's ultimately you. 
Who? Me? No, yeah. it's us. Yeah, yeah, Just the two of us. We, we can, can make it if we try. Just, just the, the two, two of, of us. us. So, Ladybird, you don't recommend it, ultimately? Mm, not really, no. Go no. watch as a 17. <laughs> All right, Jacob, thank you. <laughs> Have a good night. If you have seen Ladybird or if you are interested in the film, please send me an email at jmspodcast at gmail.com and let me know your take on it. Also, let me know how you feel about Jacob Wheel's review. Do you think he was fair to the movie? And uh, I personally, a little bit, I don't think he really was. But again, I, I have to go see the film for myself to, <laughs> to really uh, see if I really agree or disagree with him. But I'd love to get your emails like, once again at jmspodcast at gmail.com. Let's move on to our main guest, Marissa Kay. She is, once again, an amazing singer-songwriter. We had a great discussion. Before we get to that, though, I'm going to put on a song from her latest album, Trances is Love. The name of the song is called Fight Like a Girl. You're about to find out that it is actually very much a kick-ass song. I enjoy it very much. It's one of my favorites from the album, and I hope you guys enjoy it, too. If you guys want to know more about her be, while you're listening to this conversation, just head on over to marissak.com. Check out her bio, check out her music, and follow her on social media. So here we go. This song is called, once again, Fight Like a Girl. Now that 
I'm older, I take pride in my weirdness and defying my prescribed identity. I'm fucking fearless. <laughs> so here's a toast to all the girls in the place, cause we're a very size and shape and cis, trans, straight, and queer. So stand tall, your gender's not an apology. Don't let your destiny be dictated by your biology. <laughs> I was like thinking about like on the way up here I'm like so do I just like talk about myself for like an hour like <laughs> I've never like actually done that before <laughs> other than like at a job interview <laughs> and that's very different huh can we can we start with the album would that help uh yeah let's talk about the album let's talk so, about the album <laughs> album yeah trans is love I- Right. Do you usually do like a like an intro like this is like JMS podcast or or like I do, but that's, I do that before. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. Yeah. Sorry, I'm totally wasting your time. Um, no, 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 no. Um, it's all good. Yeah, it's on a Saturday. We could be here as long as it takes. Okay. So you're happy. All right. All right. Cool. I'm ready. All right. <laughs> Trans is love. Yeah. How long did it take you to create this album? Um. Well, in terms of writing it, I mean, the songs were written over a period of, like, ten years. Um, the oldest song on it is Cloud Nine, um, which I wrote in around 2009 or so. Um, and But, like, in terms of recording it, took a, I started in earnest around June, and we finished recording it by, like, around September. So, yeah, about four months. Which studio do you record at? Um, so uh, my friend Nick Kaufman has a studio. It's called Downfall Studios. Um, it's located in Pittsburgh in the East Bay. Um, so we recorded it there. Nice. Now, uh, was there a common uh, theme going into the album, or was the theme formed as you went along with it? I didn't really have a theme going into it. It was really just my favorite songs that I wanted to record for the album, and a lot of it was kind of making up it up as I go. I mean, one of the songs on it, um, Beautiful Trash, like it was an older song that I'd been kind of messing around with it and arranging it different ways. It, um, and I finally finished the arrangement and it was ready to record as we were recording the other songs on the album. So it was like very like, hey, we can I can throw this song in at the last minute, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. Now. How- how much was your process like setting up, putting in a blueprint and mm-hmm. adding layers of different instruments? Or did you already have an idea of what instruments to put on there from the get-go? For the most part, I knew what instruments I wanted to have on it. Um, but there was definitely a lot of experimentation going on. I experimented with like guitar sounds and, and um, keyboards. I, there was a lot more keyboard on the album than I originally thought there was going to be. Um, but I really like how it came out. 
No, it's great. I was really digging it. Uh, you mentioned beautiful trap. I put a star next to that one. Oh yeah. I was gonna tell you how much I liked it. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, your last song though, show me the world. Show the world. Yeah. Show the world. It's that was like a whole different level. I'm like, how did that song get started for you? For when you start writing it. So that's another one of those songs that I had kind of on the back burner for a really long time. I had been writing, um, kind of coming back to it over the course of several years. Um, I kind of was inspired to write it, to really put it down and and really make it a complete um, song. Um, Around March of this year, um, just kind of like watching the news and like kind of seeing everything that was going on, you know, not just in the U.S. politically, but, like, all over the world, um, and just saying, like, we need to show love to each other, you know, especially right now, um, that we need to be kind to each other, and that's kind of what inspired me to write it. I was also kind of, like, when I was writing it, I had the flu, (laughs) um, and I was, like, sick for, like, a week. I, um, was off work for, like, a week, and just needed something to, needed some kind of outlet, um, and so I kind of thought of like, why don't I just have this like ballad at the end of the album and, and have like strings and everything like that. So it was a nice touch. Thank it, re- you. it really was. Now, what was the biggest challenge for you in creating this album? Getting everyone to the studio, <laughs> like scheduling and like making sure that we could get um, time for everyone to record their parts. Probably um, that was like the like the biggest logistical challenge. Um, I think in terms of you know, as far as actually making the album was, um, it was very emotional for me. Um, a lot of the songs mean a lot to me and they're kind of like my children, you know, um, a lot of songwriters will say like, Oh yeah, my songs are like my babies. Um, so it was just like very, it was, it was difficult to, you know, have the, have the songs out there and be like, okay, well now people are going to listen to it and it's out in the world. And, you know, wondering like, Oh, are people going to like it? You always have those, insecurities and 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 doubting yourself but i from what i've heard from everyone i've sent it to they all seem to really like it and i'm just really super blessed and 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 grateful that it's out and that it's meant something to a lot of people and is this is this your first album yeah and uh it's, and you said you've been playing music for 10 years right mm-hmm. oh why is now a good did you feel a good time for you to start creating an album well, I'd been, I've recorded with other projects before. Um, I did like a couple EPs in the past um, and things like that. But it was all before I really transitioned. Um, I, I was not out as a trans person um, until I would say 2015. Um, so I was like 25, 26 when I came out. I'm 28 now. And I really felt like I want to do something that reflects who I am as not just as like a trans person, but as, you know, a human being who's had a lot of different experiences. You know, I've traveled a lot, um, played in different bands and, and I wanted to have something that would really capture that moment. So and I was also kind of like, hey, 
I'm 28 and I need to have an album out. You know, clock <laughs> is ticking. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat myself. Uh, people, my friends are like, when are you going to release your, your albums? Like, yeah. I feel like I have a long way to go still. I don't know. You just got to, um, it's just one of the things you just got to work at it, you know. It, it's a it's a labor of love. Right. And just like music, you know, when it feels right, it feels right. Mm-hmm. You, you know, sometimes you can't really rush it. Oh, yeah, you can't rush it. You know, sometimes sure. when you rush the song, it's like, ah, it just doesn't come out as, as, as good. Yeah. But then again, you don't want to take too long either, you know. Mm-hmm. I think... I think with these songs, I did really take the time to make sure that they were all really good. I mean, there's a saying, you have, like, your first album, you have your whole life to make it. Um, and for me, that was kind of true. Now, are you involved with the trans community here in the uh, Bay Area? Mm-hmm. Uh, I read on your bio that you're also an activist. Yep. Can you talk about your involvement? So I've been... Um, I've been involved for with um, certain activist communities, you know, for a good portion of my life. Um, when I was in high school, that's when I really started. I was involved in the schools like Amnesty International chapter, um, um, and they would do activism to like kind of we would do like fundraisers. Um, you know, sometimes like we would do like potluck dinners to um, help out the homeless community. Um, so it kind of started there. Um, and then since I moved to the Bay Area, I've been involved a little bit in some of the trans communities. Like um, back in September, I put on, um, I was in part of a show at 924 Gilman Street in Berkeley, California. Um, and it was a benefit for the Transgender Law Center. So um, they do like things like legal advocacy for trans people. Um, and, you know, just a lot of great work. And we eventually, uh, we were able to raise, I believe it was something like $350 um, for that. So I like doing um, a lot of like benefit shows. I also did a show, um, it was a benefit for Hurricane Harvey um, that an awesome friend of mine, uh, Cara Sorelli, um, put on. Um, she goes by the name uh, Hattie Hungbird when she plays, or Jane Frank. So I definitely recommend her music as well. And it was like kind of a Bay Area thing. Now, did you mostly stick around like in the san francisco area oakland area um i've been around a little bit i've done a couple shows in san jose um done a little bit in santa cruz um east bay i haven't really gone too far outside of the barrier bay area um but i am going to be doing um i'm actually going to be doing a show in florida um which is um, where I moved here from, I moved here from Tampa, Florida, and I have, still have a lot of family there, so I'm going to be going back there for the holidays, and I'll be doing a show in Tampa. Oh, nice. Yep. So that's interesting, because you were born in Boston, ended mm-hmm. up in Florida, and now you're in, in SF. <laughs> All over the place. I'm from everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is something you noticed that was culturally different when you arrived here in the Bay Area? Compared to Florida or compared to uh, Massachusetts? Uh, either or. Well, I think it's tough because there's there's a lot of things that are different, but then there's a lot of things that are um, not quite so different. I, I think one of the things I really noticed, like when I first moved, so I moved to um, the Bay Area a little over a year and a half ago, um, June 2016. And one of the first things that I really noticed and I really appreciated is like just how like thoughtful everyone is. Everyone seems to have like a really passionate 
um, about activism and, um, you know, just like people are very knowledgeable about the world here. Everyone seems to have like traveled a lot. Um, and for me, that was like a really nice um, thing because I felt like where I was from, people kind of just wanted to stay in their hometown, you know? They're a bit more and settled. Leave. Yeah. Um, and I would say just in general, because I, I never really lived in like a city as big as San Francisco. Um, so getting used to like the pace of the city, you know, being like having people around, you know, when there's a lot of people around me, like I can't move, that kind of was like an anxiety thing for me. So that was like something I definitely had to get used to. But uh-huh. I like it more now for sure. I hear you. It gets exhausting sometimes. It can be a very draining, yeah. especially for me because I'm like an introvert. Um, you know, I definitely need, I can, I enjoy being around other people, but I definitely have to have my time to be like, okay, so now I'm just going to chill and read a book or whatever. As an introvert, did you find that challenging performing music to in venues? Well, you know, I... I've been an introvert all my life, and one of the things that I really love about playing music is that I can kind of say what I want to say but can't always express in words, you know? Um, Music is like just such a beautiful and personal thing because you can express a part of yourself, um, and maybe if you were to just say it, people might not necessarily understand it, but when you have a guitar and you put it to music, it's like it just changes it forever, and, and I can express, you know, all sorts of deep and complex things, um, and have people really relate to it and really enjoy it, so for for me, like, music is, like, the way that I can feel like a little bit of an extrovert, and I can feel like I can get loud and, and you know, get people really into it, and I really treasure that a lot. <laughs> now I saw you perform at Red Rock, mm-hmm. which is Jake's room, and, and you yeah t- Red Rock Coffee. And, and you came in, you know, very shy. You got settled <laughs> in, but but you had a, a quite a sense of stage presence when you started singing. Uh, do you feel like this was something that you developed as you went along, or was it something you always had? Oh, I always, I definitely had to work at it. Um, I mean when I was younger, like when I started, I started playing music, really like singing and playing and writing my own songs when I was in high school. And I was just like, I remember the first show I ever did. I was so nervous. I had my eyes closed the entire time. What was the show at? (laughs) Oh, it was just, um, God, I don't even remember. It was so long ago. It was like my high school band. Um, it was just like at this like auditorium and it was mostly like for, for the school and and like it was just a bunch of high school kids and like mostly parents were there <laughs> um it was like a talent show yeah it was a talent show nice and so, uh after you got that out of the way you were like i want more this yeah i good. wanted to yeah i loved yeah because i was i was not playing guitar at the time i was just singing um and i just loved like i just got such a rush from being on stage and singing songs and like um especially because that was um i wrote the lyrics for the songs that we did and i didn't write the music at the time i was just singing um but like oh man i really wanted to write my own songs and and i really wanted to learn how to play guitar and um it just got the ball rolling for me i guess who were you listening to at the time to really pull from you know to get inspiration when I was from in high school oh going to be a little bit embarrassing. <laughs> I really listened to a lot of emo in high school. I was totally an emo kid. 
Um, I listen to a lot of like Jimmy Eat World. I like Jimmy Eat World. Oh God, I love Jimmy Eat World. Is that considered emo? I didn't know that. I I mean I guess they they kind of came out around the same time as like a lot of those bands. Um, uh huh. Like My Chemical Romance. Yeah, kind of yeah. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. That was like um, I I remember when I was like 15 or so i really listened to a lot of green day and that was like one of those bands because like there's their songs are really easy to play <laughs> and that was kind of like oh i can do this on guitar you know just like three or four chords <laughs> mm-hmm. how about how about at home because i feel like you got an old school way of songwriting i was listening to some of your, your music and you're like this is like some like 60s 70s kind yeah of, kind of stuff going on so i'm sure someone at home was listening to, uh... Oh yeah, so my parents listened to like I, I got inspired by a lot of the music my parents listened to growing up, especially my mom. Um, she was really into well, she was a child of the '80s, so she listened to a lot of like Prince and uh, Springsteen, one of my all-time favorites. Springsteen, um, I can definitely like, hear a bit better Springsteen and, than you. Yeah, yeah, Bowie. I, yeah. I actually took my mom to see Bruce Springsteen a couple years ago. Um, It's kind of like a birthday present to her. Um, We went to see Bruce Springsteen together, and he played for like three hours straight. (laughs) No break, no opening act. I was just like, oh my god, this is like... This is this guy's on some real shit. Can I say that? Can I say that? Like, yeah, yeah, shit, shit's okay. fine. Okay, I want yeah. to make it, you know, PG thirteen ish. Right. Whatever, know? whatever you like whatever. it to be. Yeah. But yeah, man, but that's another skill that mm-hmm. I didn't think about when I started playing music was endurance. Having endurance mm-hmm. when you're performing. Yeah, I mean, especially like if you're going to be playing for a long time. We did our um, album release show a couple days ago yeah it was like a week ago um at 924 gilman in berkeley and we played for like an hour and a half and and it was like such a blast and it was really fun but by the end of it i was like exhausted um yeah yeah i could totally relate on the burn yeah like when my first hour set was in santa mm-hmm. cruz and you know you figure after you're done you want to stick around and party yeah. like no guy i just want to go back to the van it's i just want to go home call me an old person yeah where'd you play in santa cruz at the uh, at the poet and the patriot what oh yeah. i i've been to there a couple times i've been for their open mic for comedy um well they do comedy and music oh nice there. i don't yeah, know yeah it's a pretty cool place so yeah that, that's skill i'm learning too is is uh, <laughs> having longer sets and and having enough energy to give the best performance you can. Yeah. It definitely takes practice. Um, and, and we've been practicing for that show for like a month and a half. So it, I think it definitely paid off. <laughs> Do any of your parents play music? Um, my parents don't. Um, my uncle um, played guitar. Um, he actually taught me some of my first guitar chords. He taught me to play like D and G and A and like, you know, the first couple chords you learn on guitar. Um, and he was really inspired by, um, like the blues, like Jimi Hendrix. Um, and then even like some of the classic blues, like Robert Johnson, Buddy Guy, some of oh, wow. stuff like that. Yeah. He was really into it. He had really like a digging. lot of like, he used to collect, uh, vintage guitars. So he had this, like, um, this like Gibson Les Paul from like the sixties and he would play it a lot. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. I want to learn how to play this stuff. Was he in a band so. himself? Um, I think he used to be. He doesn't really do it so much now. Now it's just kind of more of a hobby. Wow, so uh, kind of 
got your first kind of rock and mm-hmm. roll, kind of bluesy rock uh, yeah. sounds coming, which kind of came from your song um, Fight Like a Girl. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of had that rocking, you know, no bullshit kind of <laughs> kind of vibe to it. Yeah. Um, that was one of those songs, like, uh, I remember I wrote it, and I was like, it was the, f- you know, that's the only song that I, like, curse in, and I tend to, like... St- stay away from that because I don't want to just like have it cheapen the meaning of the song I only want to you know curse if I feel like it fits the song and I was like at first I was like I don't know if people are gonna like this This is gonna be really weird (laughs) you know um but a lot of people said it was their like favorite song on the album that was like because it comes off like an anthem yeah (laughs) you know I I just imagine people marching in the streets with it Mm, (laughs) I, I, I can definitely see that you know Kind of like inspired by the women's march, I think, in San Francisco. So your uncle taught you your first chords, mm-hmm. but your first real instrument was was your voice, right? Because that's that's an instrument in itself. Oh well, yeah. I mean, everybody's first instrument is their voice, really, when you think about it. <laughs> that was my second guitar first. Voice. Yeah. Well, actually, I think my voice was like my third. <laughs> I, was, I was still pretty bad at it. But what were some lessons that you, that you've taken with with the voice or? what were some music that you were listening to like um as far as like vocal influences yeah i mean it's it, it's changed a lot o- over the years um but like i would say one of my all-time favorite singers gotta be stevie nicks um i just love her voice she has a very you know kind of like a sexy um but very like husky um voice and she doesn't have a super high voice which you know was something when I came out, I was like a little bit insecure about like, I don't want to sound like a guy when I sing. I want to sound like a, a woman. So I tried to work really hard to have this feminine sounding voice. And I I hope it comes off that way on the record, but it definitely was inspired by her a lot. Um, I also really loved, do you know Brandy Carlisle? Maybe by by voice, maybe. Um, For, she it, has that song, Is the she a contemporary artist? Yeah, she's like kind of folk rock. Um, and I'm trying to think of like, do you know the song, the story? All of these lines across my face. I'm probably messing it up, but she's one of my favorites as well. Um, and then like, I also love like Regina Spector and some of those like. Indie oh, I know her. Folk. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Regina Spector. Yeah. She she is. I forget how good she is. Like for some <laughs> reason, like I I, I blow her oh, off until awesome. until I listen to her song. I'm like oh yeah. Yeah. What was her first hit? Was it the heart? The ha 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 ha. No, see, I can't even do it. Yeah, yeah. You know what um, I'm talking about? Fidelity, right? Fidelity. Yeah. Is that what it's called? That sounds my jam. <laughs> That's like a high school when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Maybe lower. <laughs> All right, and then uh, coming back to the Bay Area, you come here, you get you know some some musical stuff on you. Yeah. Uh, how'd you get involved with the musical scene over here? Well, I kind of moved out here because I wanted to really explore music more um and be somewhere that's was some more supportive of uh you know what i was trying to do musically and have like a um a bigger music community um i just really the first when i first moved here i just wanted to see where like all the live music was and i you know went online and saw what places had like open mics or live music or whatever and i started going to um some venues in san francisco and made some friends that way um and um yeah i I just wanted to 
I got inspired by like how good everyone was. I mean, everybody um, in the Bay Area is just so talented and and so heartfelt and and you can tell that a lot of these people they just live for music and and that was really inspiring um and also challenging for me and made me really want to work harder and and you know really do as much as i can to stand out and um you know be the best that i can be do you remember the first uh, place you performed over here uh was bizarre cafe in the Richmond district in uh, San Francisco. Is that the one where there's no mic? Yeah, they have no mic. It's like just, they have like a stool and they have like two guitars and one of them always has a broken string <laughs> um, and and a piano. And it's um, it's a really chill place. I really enjoy it. Um, that was actually like, um, I did my first show in San Francisco was there. I, I was a Valentine's Day show um, with my friend Carly Mari, who is also on the album. We did that duet, Close My Eyes, together. Um, so we did a show together, and we kind of played on each other's songs and, and uh, just had a, a really fun time. Nice. Now, when you start putting the band together for this album, yeah, was that like you, you were just pulling friends that you knew, or do you feel like it was a, a process to like finding the right person for the right sound that you're looking for? I mean, some of them were friends that I knew, um, that I knew, like, um, played music. Um, I mean, like, for example, the song Cloud Nine, um, my friend Greg from The Compliments um, does a piano track on it. And um, the reason I asked him to do that is because we did a show together um, at this place in the Mission District in SF uh, called Revolution Cafe. And I was like, I'm about to play this song, Cloud Nine. And there happened to be a piano there. And he just goes, hey, do you want me to play piano on this song? Never heard it before. Had no idea, like, what the chords were. And I was like, sure. Do you want me to tell you what the chords are? And he's like, I'll figure it out. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) The balls on this guy. He nailed it first Uh. try. And I was like, I have to have this person on the album. Um, Yeah, so a lot of them were friends. I did have a couple, like, session people who were just kind of um, recommended by Nick or, or, you know, just folks that I knew. Um, but for the most part, it was like, I wanted to really showcase how many diverse, um, talents, um, there were in the Bay area. Um, just how many talented musicians and especially how many talented female musicians and, uh, queer musicians there were. Cause I think that is really important. Um, sometimes it's, we don't always have that voice, um, even in the music scene. And it's getting better, definitely. But, you know, having as much represent, sorry, representation as possible for people in those communities, I think is really important. Is, is there like a, a fairly big uh, queer music scene happening? There definitely is. Um, I think I've seen it a little bit more in the East Bay um, than oh, in SF proper. Um, but they definitely have some like queer shows and, and queer open mics and, and um, things like that. So, did, did you find any challenges in that, or do you feel like it was a shoe in for you to really like uh, as a as a queer musician? Yeah. Um. Better yeah, the better yeah. question maybe is as a queer musician, did you find it challenging to perform areas where they don't on a regular basis? Uh, see queer musicians perform oh yeah i mean it's definitely whenever you go somewhere um you never know for sure how people are going to to 
take it anyway. And then especially if you're walking in as like a queer musician and maybe you might be the only, you know, queer musician there. You might be the only girl there. Um, it can be a little bit uh, intimidating at first, but I think um, what helps is that, you know, I can show these people that like, hey, we're not all that weird. Like some of us love to play music and, and uh, um, you know, make it feel a little bit more normal for um, queer folks to be in the room, so. Yeah, it's really awesome because I think the more you put it out there, the more, you know, again, it's, oh, all, it's all about representation. You know? Yeah. It's all about like, all right, if, if I know this person and she's a great talent, mm-hmm. I'd like to know more about that kind of music and, exactly. and the culture and stuff like that. And there's just so many awesome, like, female musicians in the Bay Area of doing all kinds of music, you know, rock and hip hop and folk and, and everything else. Um, so... I hope that, you know, with the album, I can, you know, not just showcase my music, but also showcase some of their talents as well. Now, do you plan, so you print out uh, CDs for this album? Mm-hmm. And it's available online? Yep, it's online. Um, it's on pretty much everything, iTunes, Spotify, um, SoundCloud. Um, you can buy it on my Bandcamp. It's like five bucks. Um, you just go to marissakay.com and there's links to everything there. So, um yeah, I can. It's uh, pretty easy to find uh, online, and then I also do have CDs. Do you ever had a conversation about how to best distribute your music as an independent artist? You know, it can be tough. Um, I think it's just getting it on as many platforms as possible because you know some people will use iTunes, but they might not necessarily use SoundCloud or or whatever. Um, so just having as many different ways as possible for people to listen to your music is really important. And the the decision to go with CDs was that was that like a, a no brainer for you? Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to have something that people could buy at like a show or something, and and have it in their hands. Um, and you know, like I, I, some people will say, like, oh, you know, nobody listens to CDs anymore. And you know, maybe that's true for some folks, but like I always appreciate it if I'm going on like a road trip or something to have some CDs in the car. Um, <laughs> Um, and you know, especially if you're going somewhere there's where there's no cell reception, um, and then it's just always something nice to have. Like, you can sign it for you, you know people who want an autograph or something like that. Just have a, a memento and a memory of like that experience. Yeah, I hear. You. I, that's why I yeah. I still buy CDs. Yeah, is for the car. Yeah, I want to eventually do like a vinyl uh, pressing of the album, but that's gonna be <laughs> that's very expensive. <laughs> Honestly, if you have the money for for yeah. it, I, I, it's worth it. That's just a cool thing to have. Yeah, know? maybe next year. <laughs> so, album's out. Mm-hmm. What's the game plan from here on out? Game plan is just to uh, I want to try and promote it as much as I can. Um, I've been very blessed that um, the album was on the Bay Bridge. Um, it just featured recently um, was on the front page of their website um, and I think that's really awesome to get it to you know different blogs and, and media outlets but also just trying to play as many shows as I can um, and just really you know get the word out about the album now I, I've been doing uh, I wouldn't say Snoopy but I've been looking up at you know see yeah. where your music was going I, I did see <sighs> Stalker uh, <laughs> a really bad one actually <laughs> Uh, but uh, but I do notice that there was some controversy that happened recently with you regarding one of these uh, uh, places I reviewed uh, music. Is that correct? Yeah. So there was. Are, are you okay talking about that? Because I feel that kind of ties into the whole representation 
Yeah, I mean, I don't mind talking about it. Um, it, it's, it, it was like a little bit of a, a crazy situation for a couple days, but it was resolved, thankfully. Um, but what happened was I um, submitted to a blog, um, and it was a blog primarily to feature um, female artists, and um, I... You know, I, I'd sent it to like a bunch of different blogs, just kind of um, when I would get the time, and you know, some of them like it, some of them don't. That's just that's just life. But I got a message back saying we don't cater to men, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and I and I, you know, posted something on, on my Facebook, and a bunch of my friends were like, this is ridiculous, and and they emailed the blog and everything. It turns out what happened, it was like it was a mistake, and like, um, um. I guess maybe what happened was like the person who listened to the song like didn't see what the name of the artist was and or just you know just assumed I was a guy um but they were able to straighten out it out and they actually did do um a very awesome write-up of the album um you know they they apologized and I was like you know what I I I do want to um I did want to give them a second chance for that because they you know, apologize, and, and it didn't seem like it was, like, a malicious thing, so they did do a write-up, and, and I was uh, really happy to read it. Do you feel like there was a lesson there to to to, to learn or something? Yeah, I mean, it, it's just, like, when something like that happens, um, it's a very important to call it out, um, to not let it, you know, just go by the wayside, um, and because, you know, even, I mean that was just like um a mistake and um it was fixed but you know if if there was to happen that like somebody was actually being like malicious and calling me a guy or whatever which does happen um sometimes to trans people in general not just me um you want to make sure that people are aware of it and 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 know that it's going on and in your experience with dealing with that, do you feel like a lot of people are receptive to it? Like, they're like, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. And Especially here, you know, people people in general are pretty woke. Um, pretty woke. To, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't, is that like an East Bay thing? What is? Woke or, no, woke that, or, or is that just like a everywhere thing? That's, um, that's, I, I noticed people that, saying it more when I moved here. It's like, okay, but yeah, people are pretty It's a very liberal, progressive yeah. word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, people are very knowledgeable here and, and, uh, you know, they want to make sure that everybody has a voice, you know? Mm. Well, thank you for sharing because I, I feel it was a good lesson there to, to, to learn, you know, about what well, at the same time you want to make sure that people properly, you know, critique your work, you know, mm-hmm. when you put creative st- stuff out there, mm-hmm. you, you want to make sure that they actually, you know, hear it and know what the artist is about exactly as opposed to you know just looking at it from a glance and making a judgment Mm -hmm. out of it well the most important thing is that i want people to take the music for what it is and and not make assumptions about it based on like who i am or or whatever you know i mean if you like it that's great if you don't that's okay too you don't have to like it but i want to make sure that you know um that everybody just gets a chance to um express themselves and and to show that um side of themselves to other people hmm. uh, i'd like to kind of go back mm-hmm. to um to when you were start, first starting music yeah uh what was the moment you were like aha this is what, what i'm going to do this is my thing i don't know i don't know if there was like a specific moment 
that it that happened um I would say it was just music was for me when I was young especially it was kind of an outlet um for me it was a way to you know maybe forget about life for a second um and and just kind of get lost in the music and and it was kind of an escape for me and and I just always love to do it. Um, I remember when I was in high school, um, we had a, they had a, an auditorium in the high school. Um, so one thing uh, not a lot of people know about me is I went to Catholic school, <laughs> um, which was a little bit crazy. You know, like I wasn't out at the time, but like imagine like we had to wear the uniforms and I had to wear a tie and like um, we had mass on Tuesdays and all that stuff. Were you taught um, by nuns or by priests? Or? So the principal was a nun, but none of the teachers were nuns. It wasn't quite like that strict. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was it was a little bit crazy. Um, I remember I would go into the auditorium and they had a piano there. Um, and I would like during my lunch break, I would just spend, you know, like 45 minutes just every single day. Um, I would have my lunch and I would just play piano by myself because I just really loved, um, playing and, you know, I was still learning how to play piano. I kind of learned how to do everything, all these things at the same time. Um, I just really love being able to express myself through the music. And I remember like I got in I got caught a couple times, and they're like, "You can't be up there playing the piano." I'm like, "I'm huh? not doing anything." Like, <laughs> what? Wait, why couldn't you? <laughs> I don't know. They had some weird rule about it. I'm like, "Well, listen, like, better from being up here than doing what some of my friends are doing." Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, instead of what those good Catholic boys are doing, right? Yeah. Um, wait, was it was it all boys school? Or was it all? It was. Um, it was mixed. It was yeah. a mixed school? Yeah. What, do you come from a religious family? Um, my, my dad's side of the family is like pretty Catholic. He... We're all Italian Catholics. Oh, so. Italian. Yeah. They do the hands and everything. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you catch up to any of that Italian um, stuff? A little bit. I mean, I have been known to talk with my hands every now and then, but I don't know. What part of Italy is uh, your family from? They are, um, so I've never been to Italy, but I know that they are from a town called Bari which is kind of in southern Italy. It's kind of like around where Naples is. Actually. Okay. So yeah. Um I've always wanted to go there um not just because, you know, my I'm my family's from there, but like I would love to like check out the food and the beaches and the history and music and and everything. So Was your mother also Italian? Um my mom is she's from like a bunch of places um but mostly i think like um english and irish yeah oh so you got both catholic families the irish uh, and you had the, the Italian. a little bit um yeah my, my mom's family was protestant actually um and um she was she was raised in like she went to this like um, like Southern Baptist school, uh-huh. um, which is like way stricter than Catholic. Like they don't even let you dance. Like you can't listen to like oh, wow. rock and roll or any kind of like popular music. It's only like church music. That's all you're allowed to listen to. Um, which is interesting because you mentioned your mother was your biggest musical influence. I know. Like she was, well, she was kind of a rebel, you know, she rebelled yeah. against the family and, and I kind of did too, um, for a little bit. Um, like were they like the, the, the rock and rolls from the devil kind of? Yeah. It was like devil music. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of crazy to think about nowadays, but you know, back then it was kind of like they they didn't mess around, you know. <laughs> so when you decided to play music, 
were your parents open to it? Like they're like, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think my parents were pretty open to it. Um, I couldn't be happier, and and I think that's like the most important thing. Um, you know, my my mom is like so sweet. She's always like um, excited about my music, and she's really. Um, She's also become kind of a little bit of a LGBT activist herself, and she's always like posting on Facebook of like trans rights and things like that. So she's really supportive. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm really lucky to have her. <laughs> now, what were some lessons you learned the way you, your parents raised you that you applied to music? Hmm. I I think for me, um, I guess like my family always just kind of valued like hard work. Um, and that for me was like a really important thing. Um, you know, cause like music is just, you know, it's, it's, it's fun and it's wonderful and I love doing it, but there are some days where I'm just like, I do not want to like even look at this guitar right now. I am so exhausted. And it's when the, you hit those times that you got to really push yourself to keep going. Um, so I think, and that's something I learned, uh, from my mom, especially, um, you know, she's, um, she's always been like a really hardworking, um, and just courageous person. And so I kind of learned a lot of that from her. Uh, now before, before we, we head over to your song, yeah, uh, I'd like to know the evolution of your instruments. I'd like to know like from the first instrument you got, what's the star behind it to, and the different instruments you got till now. So I have this guitar I've had since I was 16. Um, it was a Christmas present um, from my parents. Um, I have that, um, and I also play mandolin. Um, Wait, for this guitar, what brand is it? This is a Yamaha. Yamaha. Um, it's a. I don't actually remember what the like the model is. <laughs> it's like an FGX something or other. It's acoustic electric. Um, I've just played it for a really long time, and I just love how it sounds. It's very, like, bright and twangy. Um, and I've, I've recorded most of the acoustic guitar on the album with that. Um, and then um, also when I was um, in high school, I really wanted to get electric. Um, and I was working, actually, at a... Uh, um, do you remember FYE? <laughs> for Are your still information? Around? No, it was, uh, it was, like, you know Sam Goody? No, like not those familiar. CDs? Okay, so FYE used to be this CD store. Um, they sold oh. CDs and DVDs, and they used to have them at the mall. And that was my first job, um, is out selling. Uh, I was a, a salesperson, so I worked. Um, I worked there um, in high school, and I saved up my money and I bought um, an Epiphone Les Paul, um, which is also uh, a guitar I still use um, as my like my main electric. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, music's been one of those things. I've um, just tried to learn like a bunch of different instruments um, and like a bunch of different styles and trying to really um, just always find ways to be better and to do more things with music. I noticed you got a tattoo of a guitar there. Yeah. <laughs> What's the story behind that one? Oh, it was just um, it was just something I got like when I was living in Massachusetts. I was just about to move to Florida, and I wanted to have a tattoo. Um, it was this was my first tattoo. I have uh, this guitar, and then I have my little dinosaur on my other sleeve. Um, but yeah, I just 
this was a, this is actually my guitar, the the tattoo, um, and I just kind of like took a picture and I asked the guy like, can you do this? And, oh. and you didn't bring in the guitar? <laughs> no, I didn't bring this, it in. I, I think that would be a little bit arm. too much. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I thought about like maybe um, adding to it. Like I might want to get like some wings behind it or something cool like that. <laughs> maybe like a flag in the background, like a trans flag. <laughs> was that your first tattoo? Mm-hmm. Oh, I want a tattoo, but I'm just nervous about it. You know, it depends on where you get it, um, and then also, like, the level of detail um, that you get with a tattoo. Like, this particular tattoo wasn't as bad, because it's just black and white, but the my dinosaur one is, like, that was full color, and it took two sessions, and I remember it had to do it, like, a month out. Each session had to be a month out, because it, like, takes that long for your arm to recover <laughs> um, from, you know, it, it, was, it was pretty painful, but... If you're just getting, like, a simple black and white tattoo, it shouldn't be that bad. What does the dinosaur mean to you? You know, I, I always loved dinosaurs, even ever since I, I was I, a little I kid. I got your and... girlfriend gritting over here. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a story behind it? There's no real story behind it. I just wanted something that looked cool and, like, symbolized, you know, because it's like a velociraptor, and I thought, of like, something, you know, it's small, but it's uh, tenacious and, and ferocious and... And that's something I could relate to because <laughs> kind of a small person. <laughs> well, I like it because you chose a feathered uh, uh, dinosaur. It had, to, it had to be accurate and biologically accurate. <laughs> <laughs> you, you brought in a textbook? Right. Like a science textbook? This is a... I told the guy, I was like, it needs to have feathers. I don't yeah. want it to be, look like a Jurassic Park raptor because that's not how they really looked. <laughs> All right. Uh, should, we, uh, should we go with the, with the song? Would you Hell like yeah. to lead out with the song? Um, yeah, I'll play, uh, I'll do, uh, Trans is Love. I'll do it acoustic. One, two, three, four. Never gonna run away again. Never gonna have my voice and feel the shame. Never gonna let them hurt me like they did back then Gonna make them look me in the eye and say my name Trans is love, light this candle, hold it to the sky Master plan Trans is love Light this candle Hold it to the sky The world's against us But we're fighting Every night So 
MarissaK.com. Check out her music. Download. Buy her music. It is well worth it. Support this musician. She's doing amazing stuff out there. Once again, MarissaK.com. You can also check out her music at Bandcamp.com and on SoundCloud. Alright guys, that's it for this week. Hope you guys had a good time. Hopefully uh, I provided some sense of entertainment, inspiration, and insightfulness. That's what we strive here at the JMS Podcast. That's it for this week. I'll see you guys next time. We're going to have a comedian come over, and I'm looking forward for it. I, I just met this comedian here in the scene recently, and I'd like to know more about him. So uh, have a good one. Have a good rest of your week, and uh, I hope that Christmas music in the malls is not killing you just yet. All right, sayonara, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone who identifies in between.